0: listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A good episode for you today. We're going to break down NBA All-Star Weekend. A lot of things to go over. What happened on Friday in the Celebrity Game. Not necessarily what happened in it, but just the game itself. We're going to talk about Saturday nights, festivities, which are pretty much more important than the game. The game yesterday I mean, what would, what did you expect, you know? What, what did you expect? And then we're going to talk about March Madness. The top 16 seeds were named this past weekend. All the top four seeds in each um, division or region, sorry. And unfortunately, my jinx continues. Sorry, Indiana State Sycamores. We'll get to all that momentarily. Bet online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year with up to minute odds, stats and trends. You can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting contests and all the best player props experience the world's best wagering platform. Anytime from your desktop or your mobile devices, head to bet online today to become part of the team. And remember to use the promo code believe BLEAV for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online. The game starts here. All right, let's start with Friday night's celebrity all-star game for NBA All-Star Weekend that culminated last night in the actual game itself. But on Friday, something we talked about last week, we were going to see for the first time the LED court, which had so much going on. And, you know, it's good to use it during a celebrity game because nobody, you know, nobody's taking the celebrity game serious. I'm sure some people gambled on it, but it's a game where you can try stuff out. And if you watched any of it on Friday, you could see if someone was shooting hot, there was flames underneath him. They were using statistics. They were showing video. I mean, I think there's a possibility that this becomes the norm in maybe three to five years in the NBA, because it completely showed you can play on a court with that's LED. Now, I don't know about if there were complaints about it being slippery or whatever. But I think if you ended up using that for an NBA game, I don't necessarily think it's going to have so many bells and whistles to it. I think it might just be something where they put statistics up on the court. Like when someone's shooting a free throw or if somebody drains a three, it doesn't need all the stuff it needed for a celebrity game that really didn't matter, you know, but they also used it on Saturday night, same exact thing, because that's where you want to try something like this out on a skills competition, on a three point shooting competition, on a dunk contest. I totally get it. That's where it should be tried out. And just reading stuff online, I read a lot of positive comments. People liked it. It was different. It was almost like playing NBA Jam back in the day, even though NBA Jam's court, I don't think really lit up. It was cool to see like somebody being hot and having the fire underneath him on his feet. You know, I kind of dug it. I I didn't, I kind of knew I was going to like it because I kind of like bells and whistles like this. Now, if it never makes it to the NBA, I would be fine with that as well. I think it, you know, maybe three to five years is a little, is a little early. Maybe people aren't ready for that yet. Maybe when we get many more years down the road, they don't really need to trick up NBA games because they're already exciting as it is. And you need to change a whole court to please people. Mm, probably not. But I think for exhibition games and for games like this, NBA All Star Weekend, they should absolutely use it on Friday and Saturday going forward. Every All-Star Game weekend should have an LED court. Now, Saturday's festivities, pretty much the same thing every year, except for this year they added a one-on-one three-point shooting contest, which we'll get to in a, in a second. But the skills competition, I, I'm sorry, I, c- I can never get into this. And you know why I can't get into it? It's because the players that participate aren't into it. They never seem to know the rules. This happened a lot in the Pro Bowl when they had all those Pro Bowl activities. How many times did the officials there have to explain? And I understand that this is only once a year and they're not going to have all the rules memorized, but it's not like they were complicated rules. It was just like you got to run through this or you got to do this. So many times these guys in the skills competition were – dribbling in the wrong place. And I just, I can't take it seriously if they don't. And you know, dribbling the length of the court and throwing a bounce pass into a net. I mean, that's stuff literally you did at seventh and eighth grade camp. At least I did when you had relay races, it doesn't prove anything. And none of these guys really want to go at it hard. They want to seem cool. They want to seem like I got this. I can do whatever. I'll go at my own pace. It's like, okay, if you go at your own pace, why do I care who wins? So I don't. The second thing they did is the three-point contest. And I'm in agreement now with most people. I think this three-point contest should end the Saturday night festivities. It has surpassed the dunk contest. You know why? Because the NBA is all about three-point shooting now. The NBA isn't about dunking. Back in the 80s and 90s, yes, dunking was very, very well thought out. And if you dunked in a game, it was a big deal. Not that these guys couldn't dunk, but on a fast break, guys weren't flaring out to the three-point line back in the 80s and 90s. They would take a hard cut in the lane in hopes that they could dunk on somebody. Like They tried dunking on people in the 80s and 90s, and then the game changed. We know this. This is a three point shooting game, is what the NBA is. It's spread the floor, get mismatches, find the double team, and then once you're doubled, find the open man who's usually sitting at the three point line. That's what the NBA is now. So why not make the NBA three point competition the ending to Saturday night's festivities? I think it should be. I really do. And. I know people are going to complain about the dunk contest, but my answer to them is, what do you expect? What do you expect? Jacob Toppin, Jalen Brown, Jaime Jaquez Jr., and Matt McClung from the G League. I understand that Matt McClung won it last year, and I think if they put him in every year, and as long as he makes his dunks, he's probably going to win. If you don't have the superstars competing in the dunk contest, I don't care who wins it. The dunk contest isn't going to be any good. When people talk about the dunk contest in the past, you know, when I grew up, I remember recording the dunk contest and recording the Michael Jordan, Dominique Wilkins dunk contest in Chicago. And I used to wear my VCR out coming home from school, watching that so many times over and over and over. And it was a great dunk contest. However, I don't think it holds up right now. And I know everyone's like, Michael Jordan with best dunker ever. He's not even close to being the best dunker ever. He just elevated the dunk contest at a time where nobody had seen the stuff that he did before. But the best dunkers in the NBA right now can do exactly what Michael did in the dunk contest. I think most guys can jump from the free throw line. Not most. I'm saying most at that end of the dunk contest. If they wanted to, they could jump from the free throw line. And let's face it. I know everyone complains about the dunk contest, but I'm telling you the greatest dunk contest we ever had was a few years ago with Zach Levine against Aaron Gordon. I mean, it blows away, blows away anything Michael did against Dominic Wilkins. I, not even in the same stratosphere. You know how Michael Jordan ended that dunk contest with Dominique Wilkins jumping from the free throw line? He was actually a step in. Twice, twice in his battle against Aaron Gordon, Zach Levine jumped from the free throw line, but both times he did something different. One time he windmilled it and one time he put it between his legs from the free throw line. Come on now. Maybe Michael could have done that in 1985, but he didn't. (laughs) The Zach Levine-Aaron Gordon dunk contest, all you got to do is Google it. Go on YouTube and watch it, and then tell me that wasn't the greatest dunk contest we've ever seen. And that was only five years ago. I'm not saying that those guys are big names. I mean, Aaron Gordon is an NBA champion after Detroit won it last year, and Zach Levine is a good scorer. But they gave us great dunks. It's like they cared. That's the other thing. Every time, every year I watch the dunk contest, when I see these people, it seems like they found out the day before that they were going to be in the dunk contest and didn't like go over things, practice things. It seems like they're trying everything for the first time. I thought when you knew you were going to be in the dunk contest, you would try some stuff out. And the use of props and use of people Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It did work for Aaron Gordon that year. Remember he took the mascot from the Orlando Magic and had him on a and had him on one of those spinny things? And I mean, if you never saw it, you have to go watch it. People can talk about the good old days with Michael Jordan. I'm sorry. Zach Levine could do every dunk that Michael Jordan could do and better. And I don't think Michael could do what Zach Levine did. His dunks were stupid. They were ridiculous. Same with Aaron Gordon's. It was awesome. But if those guys aren't going to participate and we're going to get Jaime Hawkins Jr., who's, you know, been great for the Heat this year. Did you see his dunks? It's like, okay. That's not what the dunk contest is. If we're going to have a dunk contest where we actually see interesting, innovative dunks, you got to get everybody out of the NBA. Because most of the best dunkers in the world don't play in the NBA. They just dunk for a living. There's like contests around the world, and they're all better than the NBA dunks. Because I think these guys are afraid of getting injured, which I can understand. But if we're going to have a dunk contest, and we're going to have Jaime Hawkes Jr., Jalen Brown, Mack McClung, and Jacob Toppin, sorry, that's not a way to end the show. Because nobody, I don't want to say nobody cared, but the energy was so low compared to the three-point shooting competition. Those guys are all trying because they're all the best shooters in the league. So you got the top shooters in the league wanting to do good. Those guys don't want to go out there and embarrass themselves and hit one to two balls a rack. Hell no. They want to nail it. As evidenced by the fact that four of of the eight shooters all got 26 points in round one. So Dame Lillard defends his title by basically hitting the last shot of his of his rack on the fifth rack. One of the best shooters in the NBA, best shooters in history, top three three point shooters. But that's so much more interesting to me than the dunk contest, unless we're bringing back Zach and Aaron Gordon for a you know battle number three. Those two, those three points were the best. And hey. Even the one-on-one match between Steph and Sabrina Inescu from the New York Liberty, that was great. She was awesome. 26 points, which is exactly what the NBA guys did, and she shot from the NBA line. And she got the same amount of points that the best shooters in the NBA did. Steph just happened to get 29. Now, Reggie Miller had the best like suggestion for next year. Reggie Miller said, how about next year, we get the two best in the NBA. We get Steph and Dame to team up. And we get Sabrina and assuming Caitlin Clark out of Iowa comes to the WNBA next year, we get her on it because she's the most prolific scorer in the history of women's college basketball. She's the best three-point shooter college basketball for women has ever seen. She has to be part of NBA All-Star Weekend, assuming she goes to the WNBA next year because she's probably making more in college. And she has one more year if she wants it. So... If she goes to the WNBA, 1,000%, she has to be part of the three-point shooting festivities next year on NBA All-Star Weekend. Some college basketball talk for you. Your top 16 seeds have been released. Now, they're going to do this, I believe they do it every Saturday, because right now, it's just college basketball and NBA. That's what we're going to dive into probably for the next few months. Oh, yeah, by the way, I didn't even talk about the All-Star Game in the last, in the first segment of this podcast because I, what's the point? It's a glorified scrimmage. Nobody should be complaining about what they saw yesterday. You could go listen to my podcast the day after last year's NBA All-Star Game. It's the, I'm probably saying the same exact thing. No, none of those guys care, so why should we? It's a glorified scrimmage. They don't guard anybody. They do not care, and there's no way to change it because these guys aren't going to bust their ass for an exhibition game in the chance of possibly getting injured. It's just not going to happen. So I don't know what to do to the game. They've tried to trick it up. They've tried to do teams and draft players and you know, add the Elam ending at the end. It's never going to change the quality of the game, which will always suck, unless they give these guys some sort of incentive of we'll pay you $50 million if your team wins. You know, something stupid, because even if you say we'll give you a million each if you win, I don't think they'll care they really won't because they're all making 30, 40, 50 times that. Anyway, getting back to college basketball. So it looks like every Saturday, the committee is going to release or college basketball, however, is going to release the top four seeds in each region. And it'll change. So it just gives you an idea of where people are being slotted right now. And some teams will move, move up from the brackets that were released on Saturday. Some teams will move down and and some might even move out and some will move in. But if you didn't see it, the four number one seeds are Purdue, UConn, Arizona, and Houston in that order. And then Purdue went out and got beat by Ohio State, who just fired their coach earlier this week. So Purdue next week, I'm assuming, is going to fall to the two seed. And there will be the two... Um, Still in the Midwest region, but they'll be the – not the two seed, but they'll be the second number one seed. UConn is going to be the number one overall seed in the tournament. They are an absolute juggernaut. They played Marquette this weekend, who is right now slated as a two seed, and they beat them like a drum. And all of the people and all of the pundits and the experts in college basketball are saying – this UConn team might be more complete than last year's team. And we know what last year's team did. They ran rough shot in the tournament, 6-0, 6-0 against the spread, and beat everybody by double digits. <laughs> you know, it's so hard to repeat, yet we just saw the Chiefs do it. Would you be really surprised if UConn repeated? They're one. This team is playing really well right now, and maybe right now they're almost peaking. Maybe they're peaking too early. I don't know, but the team that I saw Saturday – Beat the piss out of Marquette. Just absolutely dominate them on both ends of the floor. Oh, man. I know they're such a chalk pick, but when I see Purdue lose to Ohio State, and we know Purdue's resume, the last three years they've lost to a double-digit seed in the tournament. Arizona has been known to be a tournament just failure. Houston, the other number one seed. I mean, we could be looking at another wacky Final Four where I mean, last year, all four number one seeds were out by the Elite Eight. I I don't see that happening, but I don't know. Anyway, um, Midwest region, you know, before yesterday's games, had Purdue as a one, Tennessee as a two, Baylor as a three, San Diego State as a four. In the east, you had UConn, North Carolina, Iowa State, and Wisconsin. In the west, Arizona, Kansas, Duke, and Auburn. It's a hell of a top four. In the south, Houston, Marquette, Alabama and Illinois. One thing that was brought to my attention when I was watching one of the shows was the fact that the East region, which has UConn as the number one seed, so their first two games are going to be played in Brooklyn. Well, that East region feeds into Boston. So essentially, UConn is getting four home games before the Final Four, which is, shit, where is the Final Four this year? It's, uh, oh, it's in Phoenix, sorry. Uh, April 6th and April 8th. Uh, Saturday, April 6th is Final Four. Monday, April 8th is the national championship game. So UConn, as good as they are already, now has almost a built-in home court advantage for the fact that they're getting first two games at the Barkley Center in Brooklyn, and then they're getting their next two games in Boston. And you know UConn fans will have no problem traveling to Boston. So keep an eye on that. I I would say just pencil UConn into the Final Four, but we know it's crazy. We've seen upsets happen, and we don't know even who UConn is in UConn's bracket. Maybe they can get a team that matches up with them well. I don't know, but if UConn is playing, and and we know it comes down to all it takes is one bad game, and you can get beat. UConn could maybe play a bad game in the tournament, and somebody plays an A-plus game and beats them. I'm just saying, if UConn plays at least B to B-plus, in any game, I don't think anybody can beat them. They would have to play a C game to get beat, and somebody's going to have to play an A-, A-plus minus A plus game. Because a B-to-B-plus game by UConn, I don't think an A-plus team from a team that's maybe the 15th or 20th best team in the nation beats UConn. They're that good this year. I, I just don't know. I, I don't know. I, I have to see their bracket, but... Knowing now they're in Brooklyn and Boston in their first four games, it's, you can almost pencil them into the Final Four. And I know people don't like betting chalk, and it's not fun to bet chalk. It's fun to bet upsets. Maybe bet upset somewhere else. Just don't pick somebody to upset UConn because I don't think it's going to happen. But that's just my opinion. So you keep it, and you, and you look at those. I mean, the West region, Arizona, Kansas, Duke, I mean, those are some serious, serious blue bloods. And... I think that'd be a great region. Got to see who else would be in there. But yeah, it's I think it's neat that they do this. They they only started doing this a few years ago. I like seeing where they're where they're looking, where they're headed and, you know, teams can move up and down like I said Purdue is going to move from the number 1 overall seed to the number 2 one seed and UConn's going to be number 1. Yukon probably should have been number 1 before. And and when this rankings came out, I don't know why they have Purdue ranked ahead of UConn, but they did. It won't be anymore. I, you know, looking at this, I say UConn is the only number one seed that gets to the Final Four. And as I said last week, I think Purdue is, they're either getting ousted before the first week, they're getting ousted in the first weekend again, or they're making it to the Final Four. And it's just, once again, we got to see their, we got to see their bracket once everything is filled out. Who do they play in the second round if they win? They're going to play the winner of an 8-9 game. Let's see who that 8-9 game winner is. And then they move on to the Sweet 16. We just got to see who's in their bracket. But I understand that they are very well aware of their history, especially what happened last year. We all remember. The Dick, Fairley Dickinson, a 16 seed that beat them, and Zach Eadie had one shot in the last 18 minutes of the game. Just – I, you can't even explain how Purdue got beat last year. Just, it's unexplainable. Anyway, so, once again, Midwest region, Purdue, Tennessee, Baylor, San Diego State. In the east, Yukon, North Carolina, Iowa State, Wisconsin. West region, Arizona, Kansas, Duke, Auburn, South, Houston, Marquette, Alabama, Illinois. That's kind of a sneaky good conference, or a sneaky good region. Because Marquette, as bad as they looked against Yukon, It's a really good basketball team, and they're tourney-tested, and they've got a lot of guys who have played in the tournament before. Not to mention, they probably have the best point guard in the nation. Alabama is a team that's on the rise right now, playing really well, and Illinois also playing really well. Very, very good region. I really like that region, if those teams stay that way. And finally, man, if you're an alumni of Indiana State, I You can blame me. I sang the praises of Indiana State last Tuesday on the podcast. Actually, the podcast aired Wednesday, but I recorded it Tuesday. Singing the praises of Indiana State. First time ranked in the top 25 since the Larry Bird era. And then on Tuesday, they lose at home as a 17-point favorite. They lose by 13 points. And then this past weekend... Five-point road favorite, they lost to SIU. So now, not only did they lose back-to-back games, they're certainly going to drop out of the top 25. Maybe I don't know, maybe this is what they needed. Maybe they needed a wake-up call. I said after Tuesday's game, they probably read their own press clippings. Because you don't lose. The first time ranked in 40 years, and you got a home game, you're favored by 17, you lose by double digits. You had to have just been not paying attention and been so caught up in everyone patting you on the back because that just doesn't happen. But then you went out and lost on a road on the road on Saturday and it's like, okay. Yeah, we'll see. They might still get in. I mean, it, you know, put it this way, if they get in and they win the Missouri Valley and they sit there as an 11 or 12 seed, don't think they can't upset somebody because they lost two games this week. I'm still going to be looking at them. I'm just sorry that I jinxed them after I sang their praises and then they went 0-2 this past week. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also rate and review. And please hit play. You got to hit play on the podcast. If you miss it, hit play because just because it shows up in your feed every morning, which used to be considered a download, it's not anymore. You got to listen to the podcast. So I'd really appreciate it. Pass it along to your friends. Let them know about it as well. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See.